Hey, everybody, and welcome back to your Corporate Global Football Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hawes. And I'm your host, William Spicer. Spicer, it's good to be back. I know you guys missed me a lot while I was on a short little fall break there, um, but glad to be back here. We, we had to do some crazy scheduling to get you in uh, on the phone as you're in between visiting recruits. Yes, that's true. That's true. I'm currently in the passenger seat of a, of a car headed down to Chattanooga on the trail right now. Um, so going to see what the mocks are all about. Yeah, the mocks uh, who gave my Kentucky Wildcats a pretty good game a few weeks back, but looks like that was just a blip on the radar for Kentucky because, man, are they on fire. 5-0 and in the SEC, or well, 3-0 in the SEC, 5-0 and overall with the first victory in Lexington since 1985. I was absolutely wild that night. Oh, I can imagine. I was I was thinking, what a great, what a great day for Hunter. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, the last time they beat Florida uh, was down in Gainesville. Uh, it was the night of Chris and Maggie's wedding. Uh, I, I was, you know, a little not salty, but just sad. I didn't get to watch it live. But this one, I was in a bar. Uh, in Raleigh, there was other Kentucky fans there by happenstance. Uh, we were uh, drinking and and just oh man, it was like something out of a a movie. Couldn't have, have wished for a better way to watch the game. Oh, that is amazing! And was that was that uh, one that went down in Gainesville? Was that when you you told uh, you called into the radio show and said like, "Book it, Kentucky is about to beat Florida." Was that that game? Yeah, it is. I gave my like pep talk to to the radio show, and it worked. Obviously, yes. Um, yeah, great uh, weekend for college football. Uh, lots of kind of crazy teams. I, I feel like there's a lot of chaos like uh, brewing for this season, I, but I, I don't know if it will deliver or not. Um, we'll kind of get our first taste of that this weekend when uh, Iowa and Penn State play and just kind of go from there. But I'm really looking for Kentucky to beat LSU on Saturday and go into Georgia undefeated, even though I know they're going to lose, just being allowed to dream about that for just a second is going to taste good. Yeah. And, you know, there's a, is there a world where if the only loss is to Georgia in a close game, does Kentucky get into the playoff? You have to start asking you those kinds of questions or is it too early? You do. It's not crazy. I, I th- there may be people who don't follow college football as closely that are like that would sound insane to them, but it's really not. I mean, the back half of our schedule is the easiest. We've got uh, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Vandy, New Mexico, and Louisville, all very beatable. So take care of business this weekend and you can start to dream crazy thoughts. Woo! Oh, man, that is amazing. But it is. as our listeners have said, we've decided to yes, open it we've got some, with, with college some football. Business. We're getting closer, getting colder, I guess. That's really. right. Yeah, you know, I think the listeners have demanded some change. They even tried to infiltrate the podcast and change it from within. It didn't work. Change can only, only or I guess as you said, from the outside, change can only come from within. So uh, despite a three-minute monologue about the Kentucky football team, here we go. We're jumping right into the league this week uh, as we're going to do some house cleaning and go back and look at some trades. The first one is one we missed back all the way on September 16th. A big trade between two contenders, the Bruce Matthews, receives Amari Cooper and sends away to the God Kings, our boy, Kirk Cousins, uh, Jamal Williams, and a 2022 third round pick. Get Cousins out. Get him out. Get him off my team. I'm like Mike Zimmer. I don't want him here. No Vax, no 
uh, spot on the Bruce Matthews is what the GM said. I think, um, personally speaking, I was a little surprised to see Cousins be the one dealt instead of Hertz, but I know that you wanted to kind of diversify some of that Minnesota stock. Um, yes, to diversify Minnesota stock. Also, dude, Jalen Hurts is good, so I don't know what anyone has to say about it, but that dude can ball. All he, I, he looks wow. amazing. I don't, I don't know why anyone hates on him. I'm so glad that you said that. Uh, I don't even know when he's going to come up in the matchups later, but uh, I was ready to come. And I'll just bring it right now. Some pretty hot takes. I think if you look at the box score, he looks awesome. I think he's hot garbage, and I think Gardner Minshew will start games this season. No, no chance. Gardner Minshew, <laughs> and, unless they're going for the tank, totally, like, no way. Jalen Hurts there is will, 23 years old, and he's out there winning. There, he's out there, there will hanging be a game. 30 on the Chiefs. <laughs> there will be a game where he is benched at some point this season, and depending on what happens, it could it could stay there. That's my no, prediction. No, 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 no. Well, we'll talk more about him later if we need to. Let's focus on this trade. Uh, Jamal Williams, kind of, you kind of lucked into a nice piece there. Uh, I think with the way that the Lions' offense has worked out, he's gotten... I guess two weeks he only scored six points, but the other two he's looked like a flex type player. Uh, did that cheapen the price for Cooper to a place that made you comfortable? Yeah, most mostly to me, running backs are worthless at this point as well. Um, there, it's this is just the way the NFL is going. People, unless you catch a lot of footballs out of the backfield, or you're Derrick Henry, Zeke. Like one of those Chubb, one of those players, they're, you're just, I don't know. It's just not that good. And so yeah. I'm like, Jamal Williams is good. Like he will be good this season, but like, I don't know. He's got two years, probably two seasons. Yeah, I don't think it's a big loss for you. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, the biggest, the biggest piece was like Kirk Cousins. The other stuff's almost like, they're like nice sweeteners. They're They're not nothing sweeteners, but they're also like, I don't know. They're just sort of medium pieces. Yeah, I don't think you're going to lose any sleep over losing Jamal Williams or that third-round pick. I think your third-round pick should still be slotted into the end of the third round based on uh, how the season will shake out, if not at least in the second half. So you're looking outside the top 25 rookies. Uh, there's a lot of chance involved there, so I think this is a great trade. I really like this trade for both teams, honestly. I think it makes sense uh, a little bit more for you than for Brady, just because I think he did need a running back more than a quarterback, but uh, I don't remember offhand his depth behind Tannehill and Roger, so maybe uh, he needed that extra third guy. He did. He had Dalton and Fitzpatrick, I believe. Oh, that's right. Fitzpatrick went down. Yeah. And now Dalton's out, so I guess this trade now really looks good for him. Yes. All right, well, let's move on to the second trade. This one uh, I have strong feelings about, but I want to I get your thoughts on it. This was a trade that involved myself and Wyatt, where I sent away Denzel Mims and a 2022 second-round pick that belongs to Colton uh, for Trey Sermon. Yes. So, um, I think that this is a... This is a fine trade. Like, I think Sermon's taken in the second round, and Denzel Mims doesn't have much, you know, value to to me personally. Um, so it's like, yeah, you traded back a year for Trey Sermon, and then it's sort of like you have a 
pretty good young running back, but you now you have to deal with the Kyle Shanahan offense. So I think it's pretty even yeah. based on the hair pulling that's going to come from your side. But I do think that he is good. And, you know, he's getting touches right now. And as long as Elijah Mitchell's down, I think he really is going to be the primary back there. Yeah, I think as, from a value perspective, I think it's pretty fair. Um, the Pitt Kings, it's when that trade was done, they, you know, were were two games better than they were now because this is that 0-2 week since then. But uh, it's looking like that could be an early second, which we've seen some crazy people drafted there in the past. So, uh, you know, it could be a nice pick for Wyatt. My thing is uh, that trade was at perfect timing. I think Sermon's value has already gone up a ton just in one week after getting 19 carries this week. Uh, a little concerning that he's not being used in the passing game just yet. But honestly, with the 49ers, any work that they're giving them, I'll take it. Uh, and it was no secret. I was super high on him to start uh, this year. So, uh, but that's small potatoes compared to the next trade we're going to talk about. This is the blockbuster of the year so far. Uh, again, with the winner faces, Wyatt bucked up and paid for Christian McCaffrey and Will Fuller, sending away Scary Terry, uh, his next two first round picks, Colton's 2022 second round pick that he just got from me, a 2022 third from Aaron Park, and KJ Osborne. Yes. So, a big trade here. So, a couple things. So, number one, uh, you wonder what Chris, like, I think that it's pretty fair trade, right? Like, if you're going to have a fair trade for Christian McCaffrey, this is about as close as you can get realistically. Yep. I think. Um, I love him picking up Terry because, you know, it gives him like a couple of years of having a wide receiver who can play if he if, you know, if his next draft goes well, because that's always one of the tough things when you're rebuilding. If you hit on a draft, then all of a sudden you can be competing. Right. So that's nice. But he's still young. So he gives him some runway there. Um, Fuller going out, it seems like, again, for a longer period of time. So that was sort of like a nothing for for the popular ballers right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it does make the, we're, we're all mostly thinking, well, if McCaffrey is McCaffrey, then Wyatt will probably win the league. And if he's not, then we got a shot. Yeah. And, uh, I liked what the Jersey commissioner or maybe it was CG Adam Schefter. Somebody had put out, uh, the headline from this trade, did the winner faces trade a dynasty for a championship? And I think that's going to be the talking point of this trade for years to come. Uh, there's a scenario where this is a disastrous trade uh, for the winner faces, uh, but we play the game to win one thing. And if he does that this year and then has a couple years, you know, where he's just a, a med- mid-level contender, uh, that's a personal thing. You, you got to decide if it's worth it for you. Uh, I had a, a package in mind that was a little similar to this just I didn't have two first um, that I was kind of working up to send for McCaffrey but then as I sat there and tried to visualize who those picks could be uh, just for one year of McCaffrey I couldn't I couldn't make myself do it so uh, kudos to Wyatt for taking the risk and hopefully McCaffrey is not himself when he comes back yeah or you know yeah, selfishly, of course, I want McCaffrey to be back. I will say the other big note of this trade, Chuba Hubbard remains a popular baller. That's true, which to me is nothing because I don't think he's any good. And yeah, the, 
you know, I, I've stated my uh, my thoughts on him already before, but yeah, you it's think nice. he's just he's pedestrian? Yeah, he's just a guy. Yeah, um, someone who's not just a guy is one of my favorite players in the league is Marseille. The Marquise Hollywood Brown, who you traded away to the Pit Kings along with your 2022 first for your favorite position to get a premium Mark Andrews. Yeah, stupid. I hate it. Shocked but I also, me. Shocked me. But I don't. I, it's what. So this this is actually so. I, you know, I pretty much just lurk on NFL and Dynasty fantasy football Reddit if I'm not opening Sleeper. Those are like the only things I open on my phone. And. One of the things, I rarely take any advice from there, but I was reading something about, like, has there been any sort of consistent things amongst winning Dynasty Leagues and tight end premium? And everyone is like, you have to have, like, a premium tight end to win in tight end premium leagues. You just don't have a chance. Or it's very, very difficult to win without one of those big, like, top, like, six or seven people. And so I was just like, you know... And when I was looking at Mark Andrews, I was like, oh my gosh, he was like, a he was a, I think top half of the league tight end is as a rookie. And I was thinking like, yeah, Kyle Pitts, you expect to be more, but he's considered like, you know, one of the best to ever play the position according to popular ballers nickname for him. So, <laughs> so when you think that his first year he did that, and then he's been in the top seven every year since I was just like, and he's 26. And I just thought, you know what? I just don't want to ever think about this as much as, as I want to think as little as possible about this. And so I feel That's like I fair. overpaid a little bit, but I was just like, I don't care. And on, and Hollywood wasn't quite a, a, a he wasn't really a Bruce Matthews roster player, you know? He's not, I think he's more of a cheetah or Gotham Knight um, type of player, but he's on the pit Kings now. So maybe that'll work out. Um, I would love to have Marquise Brown on my team. I I don't know if I ever tried trading for him too aggressively, um, but I'm I'm pretty interested. I, I may even try to trade for him while we're recording here. Um, the thing about Mark Andrews to me is, for the premium tight ends, one I, I think that advice you got is good. If you look at our league last year, Waller, you know, was instrumental in Katie's championship run, and Kelsey helped uh, Marley Magic almost you know pull it off so that think there's some truth there uh i just i don't know for some reason mark andrews always flies under the radar to me as far as like actually watching him play so uh, i don't know if he's actually as good as some of those other guys but he he is scoring so uh, i'm going to withhold some of my analysis there um let's move on to uh, another tight end trade uh, smaller potatoes here we've got Another God Kings trade where he receives Rob Gronkowski and a fifth and sends away Katie, her own second round pick. Oh, man. Uh, well, so what are you thinking? What, what, you, what you oh, man it about? I just think, uh, so my gut reaction was when I saw it, oh, no, that's a huge overpay. And then I realized Gronk had scored like 50 points in the first two weeks combined. And I was like, okay, I see why he did it. Um. I just, I could not bring myself to pay that much for, for Gronk specifically because this is not the Patriots where there's like two guys who are scoring. Uh, I think Gronk's going to have some weeks where he's, when he, when he's healthy, which now he's going to miss, you know, a week or so, um, where he gets you two catches for 20 yards because Evans, Godwin, and Antonio Brown, and Ronald Jones, and Leonard Fournette are just tearing it up. So, 
I, I see why, and Brady's clearly in win now mode. Uh, I don't know. That's it, it's an iffy thing for me. Yeah, and the the thing, Katie. So Katie and Brady actually asked me about this in person, and when she said, "Would you pay a second for for a Gronk?" I said, "Hell no!" And she said, "No, yeah. I'm getting offered that." And I was like, "Oh, take it." What <laughs> like? Yeah, and it was like, accept. "Oh, Brady gave it. Brady sent it to me." So. Um, so that's sort of my thinking, but I do think that Gronk will be productive when he's back, but I just didn't want, like, it's just not for me. Um, right. but think, think it's a little bit of an overpay, but could work out very well. So it could, I think it's an aggressive move and that's why I respect it. And Brady is a very aggressive trader, um, which I really like. Uh, I think we, we have some similarities in our trading, uh, mentality so i respect it i just don't i just wouldn't have done it um and then another one for him uh he he pulls off another trade where he sends away a second this time he sends his own second pick and he gets back aaron's third and quarterell patterson now i like this trade for him a lot more because those two picks could we're talking like three or four spots away from each other and you get uh, a flex or more player yeah that, that's what I was thinking too, and I I do think though that it's a a really savvy trade by the popular ballers to go ahead and just get the move up into the second. Agree. You know what I mean? Like, and Cordero is is not going to help you enough to to probably win the league. You know what I mean for him? Um, yeah. And you don't know what what's going to happen just with him in general because I think everyone's just like, well, uh, unsure of what to do here. So I think it's a great great trade. It's probably one of my favorite trades I've ever seen. Yeah, there's few trades where you're like, okay, this is either a, or sorry, there's lots of trades where you're like, oh, that's a wash or that makes sense. But this is a trade where I agree with you in that it's a win, like pretty big for both teams because the popular ballers, I don't know, I don't think tank is is the word you use yet, but they're focused on next year. Uh, and this is just, that guy had no business being on the popular ballers. So go ahead and, and, and get a little more draft capital, uh, better draft capital out of the trade. Yep. And I would agree with that. Like the, the feeling of the retool for the yeah, popular it's a, ballers. Kind of a soft rebuild or, or, or not even, even rebuild is too strong of a word for what they're doing because they're still scoring a ton of points every week and could beat anybody. So um, yeah, great trade. Um, some breaking news. I love breaking news on the podcast, even though people already know about it when they hear it. Uh, Chris Carson is not playing tonight uh, against the Rams. Uh, so the, I just subbed in Alex Collins, and I'm going to start him and just roll the, roll the dice and see what happens. Ooh. I like that. So, I like that. Wanted to throw that in there real quick. Um. Well, those are all our trades. Uh, we had some uh, kind of a lot of waiver pickups. None of them were any big names, in my opinion. Uh, trying to even looking back a week, maybe uh, you you could see a scenario where the popular ballers are able to sell off Samaj P. Ryan potentially if he has a week or two of starting without Mixon, where somebody might pay a little bit. Uh, very savvy move again for a, a retooling team. Um, let's go ahead and look at the league again talk about the standings the winner faces have stayed undefeated at eight no they are they are too strong right now they are the marley magic uh 
kind of hit a, a bit of a wall as they fall to four and four now, losing uh, both matchups two weeks in a row. So it's just the winner faces that are chasing that undefeated streak. And if you look now, the standings are honestly shaping up not too much different than they were last year, with the key difference being the God Kings down at eighth and the touchdown Nabby being in second. Yeah, I would say um, pretty similar. I, you know, I'm thinking about popular ballers last year before the Dak and McCaffrey injuries. Um, being like, I feel like he was higher up then, but again, he's had some more not his fault prob like issues. Um, I think one of the strange is a uh, probably the matriarchs. Uh, being in fifth mm-hmm. along like you were talking about you as well with the Gotham Knights, but mostly with that, it's amazing because she has the second highest max points for, she's the only other person to cross 800 in potential points. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really paid attention to the, the max point f- max points for yet. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, but yeah, that, that is interesting. It seems that kind of echoes uh, how she started last year where she was losing a lot of close games and kind of always playing the top team. Um, but it looks like maybe there's some issues with, with starting the right player. Um, I think it's interesting. My, my team is pretty far down on that, honestly. And I think uh, I've really enjoyed my depth so far this year because being at four and four with all the injuries that I've had, uh, I'm very happy with. Uh, I, I was getting frustrated, but then I looked and it's like I've had multiple weeks where a guy got hurt and scored zero, like in the first quarter. Uh, still no Michael Thomas. Galladay was uh, banged up. Deontay Johnson missed a game. Julio missed a game. Dalvin Cook missed a game. Uh, now Joe Mixon's probably going to miss a game. So with all those injuries to still be in fourth, I will take it. Yeah, and that's that is understandable and i will say too the max points for for katie it's just like oh i that's just like oh i have a very good team that's what that score is to me in a lot of very reassuring yeah or should be if you're if you're the matriarchs all right well let's look here uh speaking of the matriarchs we'll start with her matchup last week it was the closest game we had uh the pit kings lose another heartbreaker uh and it it you know, the Pig Kings to me are taking on almost a, a Detroit Lions uh, fan base where you just can't help but feel bad for them. It's like this, it, it, it's the same thing every week. Uh, the Matriarchs win by less than two points to move her to four and four and the Pit Kings to one and seven. Yeah. And, you know, talking about them feeling like the Lions, I do agree. Of course, he also has like four Detroit Lions on his team. You're right. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Hawkinson and and Swift holding down the fort. So definitely some similarities there. Uh, I think the one of the bigger stories here is that Katie didn't really have a huge breakout uh, game from anybody. Just to s- kind of everybody was doing okay. Uh, Derrick Henry, of course, did his thing against the Jets in that uh, brutal overtime loss. Um, which I which we just need to go ahead and get it get it out there. Sorry, I know that was rough, but. Oh no! I, I should. I know I should be more upset, but I loved it. Loved Zach Wilson chucking the ball. I knew he'd do well against my Titans. 
Corey Davis getting his revenge and yes. <laughs> and and missing both of your starting wide receivers. It, I was kind of like, well, and this is a theory we can get more down, but like teams, what they do at the start of the season is they use as little playbook as they can until they lose. And then they add more to the playbook. Right. So that they, and so I think that this was just a game where they're like, we don't want to waste playbook information on the jets and they lost in overtime and that happens, but they didn't really have much in the book either. I don't think. Yeah. And why throw your best stuff out there without your best players too? So I think, you know, it's, it makes a lot of sense why Derrick Henry would get 33 carries in this game because you know, you just got to do it and it was almost enough. So I think, it's hard to lose to the Jets, but this is a game where if you played it two weeks from now, the Titans could win by 30. Yeah. But they um, didn't. Let's, and Zach Wilson. Yeah. They didn't. That's okay. Um, trying to see some other big names or, or big games here. Uh, Hollywood Brown did perform well for the God Kings in his first game uh, as the Ravens beat out the Broncos and I thought this was an interesting game because the Broncos had started out uh was it three no or four no uh three no and they had beaten the three worst teams in the league so you wanted to see how they did against a, a real good team and they couldn't pull it off yeah no and this is what I sort of think I think the Broncos might go three and 14 it's very possible oh wow, <laughs> wow. I, I, most and it's I guess because who do they play they play the Chiefs twice Right, and then they play yeah, the, and the Raiders, Raiders twice. twice, and then the 49ers twice. Is that their no? Uh, no, the uh, the Chargers twice. The Chargers. Oh yeah, brutal so it, division. Yeah, so it's more about it's as much about that as anything. It's yeah, that's a, a tough, great point. Tough road for them. It is, and now that Bridgewater's hurt, you're gonna. Or, and, and he may play. It's it's not 100%. I think it's just like a concussion or something. But uh, you're going to see Drew Locke come in there and just kind of do his, his wild man thing. Uh, it's not going to be great for the team or for some of the fantasy options. Um, another big storyline NFL-wise in this game is that uh, Pitt Kings quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo goes down and Trey Lance comes in to start the second half. Yes. And also, I think... I remember Trey Lance put up some uh, big numbers in his like some short stint in there. Twenty fantasy points in the half. Yeah, he played fifty-one percent of snaps and had twenty fantasy points. Yeah, that that's is pretty good. Uh, very exciting, and uh, you know a lot of rushing, which is what was the well, which was the appeal for Lance coming in uh, to the season for fantasy. Uh, but you see him still sitting there. I think, unless this is, this is outdated, on the taxi squad for the Pit Kings. Nope, still on the taxi. So I think he's still trying to figure out whether he's going to be... Because uh, he, he's kind of waiting on Teddy's concussion protocol and Jimmy G's situation, I think, um, before he pulls him off the taxi. I think he's just waiting until at the very last moment he has to. Yeah. Because uh, that's I don't permanent. Blame it is. It's permanent. And his team's in a weird position right now where uh, the roster is clearly competitive and, and could easily be a playoff team. Uh, but the breaks haven't gone there, like we said. He's actually in last place right now. Um, but it, it looks worse than it is because of the, the double wins, right? So, you know, two weeks 
where where he was able to be in the top half and win would put him at four and seven, uh, and he can start scrapping for that sixth spot. So I don't think, you know, if, if you're hesitant on Lance for that reason, I would say don't worry about it. Yeah. Also, with the Pit Kings, what are they seven points away from being four and four? Exactly. <laughs> so, if not better. Yeah. So, um, let's see. Uh, Calvin Ridley's hurt. That that's going to hurt his chances there. Um, it's funny that I don't know if you do this, but sometimes I look at Darren Waller's stat lines and I'm like, oh. Four catches for 50 yards and a touchdown. That's a pedestrian game. And it's like, wait a second. No, it's not. That's He scored 17 points. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Darren Waller just being absolutely trash is like tight end three for a week. Yes, exactly. So it's silly. Yeah, the tight end premium. I mean, I could sit here and just complain all day about how we have a tight end premium at a premium play position. I have really gotten under my skin, as you can see. <laughs> You love it. You love yeah, it. I love it. All right. Uh, let's move on from these guys, and we can talk about, um, let's see, I guess the most lopsided game of the week, if not close. It was the new record for highest scoring week in league history, Yay! the touchdown nabby. 210.56 uh, to the Flaming Hot Cheetahs, honorable 162. Yep, the Flaming Hot Cheetahs pick up their their median point and touchdown to Nappy. My goodness, just just their the two quarterbacks, two running backs, and number one wide receiver put up something like 150 points between just those players. Yep, yeah, it was unreal. And I think uh, with without further ado, it is time to give my first award this week, which is the Workman of the Week award, and who else? I need to look in the record books and see how many times this guy has won this award, but it's obviously going to Tyreek Hill. Got to. That's an insane game, huh? 47 points, three touchdowns, uh, just an absolute uh, whooping. Yeah, pretty wild. They He just did whatever he, he wanted to, it seemed like. He did. Um, tell me what you think about Sam Darnold uh, and his performance because uh, he had a great fantasy game. But tell me what you thought about his performance against the Cowboys. So I didn't get to like watch much of that game. It's tough, tough to lose. But there's a part of me that's like, yeah, so Sam Darnold really for the Jets was trying to put the whole team on his back and had no help. And this is a game where like he kind of had to try to do that. But it was a much more reasonable effort. You know what I mean? Like what happened with the effort he gave is probably more in line with what he could potentially do. I think yeah. it, I think the rushing touchdowns are still a little bit outside of the norm um, right now. Of you know, but heck, I think I think teams are like, well, if we have an athletic quarterback that we're not like, it's Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady, like run them. So. Yeah, that'll be interesting to monitor so far, because if you've listened to any type of sports media this week, then you've probably all heard this stat regurgitated a thousand times. But Sam Darnold is the first quarterback in the history of the NFL to have five rushing touchdowns in his first four games. Yep. So, pretty bizarre. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't predict it to keep going, but uh, with McCaffrey out, you know, for a bit with injury, 
you know, you'll take it where you can get it, and that's all that really matters. Um, a brutal blow to this team, though, is David Montgomery being out for five to six weeks uh, at an already very thin running back position. Yes. That is tough. Um, just because of the, you know, Michael Carter and Devin Singletary are your are your backups. And they're doing fine, though. I will say, one of the guys' things is, at least from, like, you do lose a little bit of advantage, but I don't know. There are some running backs that have some, you know, Alvin Kamara had a 125-yard game and only had 12 points because that was the only fantasy points he had this week, you know. So having someone who can put up 10 points, he can still be fine. Yeah, and the good thing about both of those guys is, and maybe more so Michael Carter than Singletary, is that they're going to get some receptions because they're smaller smaller backs. So if you can catch them on a week where they get into the end zone, uh, then they can be good fill-ins. I think those are, those are fine bi-week fill-ins, but having to start those guys five or six weeks in a row, I think it's going to catch up to you. They're, they're you know, five or six point weeks. Uh, that's where it's going to hurt you. Um, when, you know, you've got guys, this won't happen, but it, because he has a 12 week, uh, week 12 bye. but you know, if you're missing a guy like George Kittle or Hill or Josh Allen and you're starting backups with backups, that's where it gets a little dicey. Yeah, that's true. But that's that, true. That, you know, that's the nature of the game. Um, let's talk about for a second on the other side here. Saquon Barkley uh, finally puts together an awesome game as the Giants go down to New Orleans and upset the Saints. Yes, this seemed like an exciting game. Uh, This was... So, Saquon... No, so number one, always having the overtime, you know, gives you that boost, right? Derek Carr with his passing yards. Well, that's what happens when you play two extra quarters than everybody else. Yep. Um... But, you know, I have to say, like I, I know I've said this before, but the Giants seem to be totally fine with getting Daniel Jones killed out there, running and stuff. And so, it, you know, they, they seem to be doing off things on offense, and they just hope that Daniel Jones doesn't fumble or throw a pick. And I think that you just try to get the ball to Barkley as much as you can once he's full, full go, which I think he's just now back to, like, full participant. Um. At full power. And I'm starting to get excited by Daniel Jones a little bit. Um, I still think he's probably not great for real life, but I think he's entering into the territory where I just have to throw him in my QB2 slot over Matt Ryan. Um, This past week, they scored about the same, but uh, the ceiling is probably much higher now at this point in his career for Daniel Jones. And I've also, I'm kind of thinking, like you were saying about how they're just going to throw him out there. I'm kind of thinking... At this point, they may just roll with him through the end of his contract and like draft another QB and let him like finish out and then go somewhere else, and he'll probably be a career backup. Yep, I'd agree. I agree so, with unless that something assessment. crazy happens, unless he just has, you know, how like Josh Allen had that insane third year rise, like that he, or maybe it was his second year. I don't even remember. And, unless something crazy happens, I think that's where he's destined. Yeah, and I, I would say that that you're right. I'd say the Josh Allen thing is very low because the thing with Allen was that he got digs and that was the season where he took off. And it's like, right. Daniel Jones, you got Kenny Galladay and it hasn't, it hasn't quite been there still with Kenny. So that's the only thing that worries me. It was like, 
well, we went out and got you the big dog. Who's good. Right. Which, um, you know, Slayton and Shepard were both out, and Kadarius Tony got some playing time, and he actually looked really nice. He's a fast dude. Um, so that's kind of exciting that there may be another weapon there to give that offense some life. It makes a lot more sense seeing him use why Urban Meyer wanted him in Jacksonville. Yeah. Like that, Definitely. that, that like type of player just is like, oh, I see it. You wanted Percy Harvin. That's what you saw. Yep. So, yeah, he's going to be an interesting player to watch uh, on the God Kings. I think, you know, he was kind of a cheap third round pick, even though he ha- he was a first round pick in the NFL draft. Uh, I have him in my other two leagues and am happy with the value that I got him at. So uh, we'll, we'll keep our eye on him for sure. Um, the only th- other thing I was going to mention on this game real quick was um, for the Flaming Hot Cheetahs, <laughs> the... Uh, the Steelers are real bad, uh, and I really think it's Big Ben is kind of fading quickly before our eyes. I know there was a report that came out that said they were there was no chance they were going to bench him and everything, but uh, Najee Harris is going to enjoy these uh, end of game little dump offs. Though it's really nice for his fantasy output. Yeah, it's it's insane to have six receptions for twenty nine yards. I mean, this is how every Steelers player is. You're like, how do you have that many receptions for so few yards? What what is happening? Yeah, really, all of them uh, benefit from that, uh, which is why I I really like that I own Deontay Johnson because I think he's the most dangerous with those, just because he's uh, kind of the best separator of that group. Um, and he's he's quick and and can make stuff happen. So like with his nine catches. I mean, still, nine catches for 92 yards is still kind of, like, you know, I guess that that's that's a pretty good average, I, I should say. But either way, um, it, it's just very, it's a very weird situation down in Pittsburgh um, with Big Ben. You, you kind of hate to see it a little bit. Yeah, I wish I could say I hated it for Big Ben, but I really don't. So, get him out, get Mason Rudolph in there run them oh. into the ground and figure it out after that Steelers. Yeah, not not much better. Definitely not somebody uh, to root for. Uh, well, speaking of someone to root for, up next uh, we'll go ahead and talk about you, Big Daddy, uh, as you pull Ooh. off a du- double win against the God Kings 157-122 to 122, uh, riding Jalen Hurts and uh, your young starling Justin Jefferson. Yes, yes, my sweet sweet boys. Another week for me where it felt like yeah, no big, no just massive boom weeks. Just doing the yep. thing. The machine, the machine goes. Yep, only one guy in single digits. Uh, Adam Thielen had kind of a quiet week, but uh, our boy Jacoby Myers had a good a good week for you. Uh, eight catches, even even had a couple of completions as a passer too. Yeah, and I'm, you know, Jacoby Myers. I don't know if you saw. He, he has a perfect quarterback rating for his four yes. passes for 158 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, he's thrown for more touchdowns than he's caught, which is zero. He is the strangest. He is the most ideal Bruce Matthews player. <laughs> yeah, I could agree with that. Um, I like him a lot. I just recently traded him away, actually, in my other league to our uh, former guest, Zach Pittman, because he also loves him, um, but didn't really fit my team there. So traded traded him away for a third round pick and uh, Quintess Cephas. But uh, I'll root for him vicariously uh, on the bruise. Sure. Yeah, I just I just wanted to catch a touchdown. I kind of have a thing where it's like, I want to start him until he catches a t- Like, I just want to start him every week. Do it, big yeah. dog. Catch the touchdown. 
And I, I think he, you know, I think he's earned that spot in the flex. And as bye weeks pop up, he'll probably get a start at wide receiver for you. So um, he'll get there. I think him and Daniel, or not Daniel Jones, Mac Jones, uh, have a good thing cooking. So it'll it'll be there. Um, your new tight end uh, kind of did what you asked him for: fourteen points, just enough to get it done and be a step above the the bad ones. Yeah, and the uh, you know if that's you know, Johnny Smith had a decent week this week with 11 points. But even still, it's just like, yeah, that's just what Mark Andrews does. And Goddard on the other side, you know, putting up almost a 20-pointer. It's like, yeah, Mark Andrews keeps me way more in in the game with that position now. Yes, absolutely. Um, it'll be funny to go back and uh, try to remember what your prediction was with uh, Abron and Johnu Smith <laughs> outscoring the Gotham Knights tight ends. No, 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 no. It was um, Johnu and Jawan, Jawan Johnson, who did, had another touchdown. Which, oh, speaking no. of, remind those tight ends are doing better than Noah and Logan because Logan got well, hurt. Well, yeah, Noah Fant's been doing pretty good. Um, yeah, he had one week that was bad, uh, but yeah, really sad about Logan Thomas because he's one of my favorite players like you know you just to get attached to some of your guys um i'm just attached to logan thomas because he was a waiver ad and just so good and like the first three weeks 13 12 14 just perfect tight end um get well soon logan yes um over on the god kings uh on kind of a rare like rough week this is probably towards the floor for this team uh everybody except dallas goddard uh and antonio gibson kind of stunk for him uh, nothing from Cole Beasley. Miles Sanders didn't do a lot with Jalen Hurts getting all the love. Yeah, and and you know, Marvin Jones. I think I think that the God Kings. I know that one of the things is you know Chase Chase Claypool getting hurt makes it tough on uh, tough on having to start. He just he kind of got hit with some of those like one week need to take a break kind of games. Yeah, um, and this is your first time, I, I believe, playing against Antonio Gibson and Cousins, uh, two former Brews. Uh, what was that like for the locker room? Oh, it was. You know, they had they had some cordial handshakes, a few fist bumps. They're they're good pals. You know, Justin Jefferson and Thielen <laughs> are, of course, just they're doing great. Antonio Gibson was kind of left out in the cold. It was like that awkward thing where three people know each other and you're the <laughs> one having to come and meet all the new people. That's sort of how it was, I think. Um, mm. But yeah, that's, it's a great picture. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Dallas Goddard starting to look like he's going to take over that, uh, kind of lead tight end spot from, from Zach Ertz. Um, speaking of, of awkward, uh, meeting old teammates and everything, let's, Let's dive into the winner faces who are now the fourth team in the league to score over 200 uh, against a very great popular ballers week. But let's start at the quarterback position for the winner faces. Uh, a bad week for Tom Brady in fantasy, but he gets the win as he goes back home. Yeah, that narrative was so intense. I didn't it watch was. the second half. Uh, I'm, I'm actually, I was cheering for Bill. I was too. I was rooting for Mac Jones. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was not happy with with Tom winning that. I really wanted Bill to get it, and it was in that classic. It would have been the most ideal Bill Belichick game in the rain. 
sloppy, yeah. ugly football. Pretty much playing rugby out there. That's what that's what Bill wants. Um, it is. So, but so I'm guessing if you, if yeah. you didn't watch the second half, I'm sure you still saw it because I feel like your uh, your football mind and like the way we, in the past we've historically talked about end of game management and stuff, you would have hated that he chose to kick that field goal at the end. Oh yeah, so you're talking about the 56 yarder. Yeah, in the rain, career long. <sighs> yeah, that one's tough. Um, but they're they're. I think I it's so tough because you're like, well, Tom Brady is probably going to score, but I think Bill's thinking, dude, Tom is not. I am not worried about Tom Brady. And I think, so there's a part of me that's like, Bill che- Belichick, I think, was like, yeah, I don't think Tom can do it in this weather right now. There's- yeah. He definitely bet on that. Uh, it just, it seems so anti-Patriots. Like, to me, that was an obvious go for it. Like, Mac Jones had been really good all game at those little short passes. Like, him getting four yards just seemed way easier to me than asking Nick Folk to hit a career long in the rain. Yeah, but he did. He almost made it. He, he almost was did. inches he off. So, Yeah, that's true. That is true. Well, uh, that was a, a great NFL thing. You know, you're lying to yourself if you, like, don't get hyped about that type of stuff. That's why we care about sports um but all that aside the winter faces deserve some proper love here as Mahomes goes off for 32 DJ Moore goes off for 31 and Debo Samuel also goes off for 35 uh just a huge performance top to bottom Eckler with a great game on Monday night uh for the winter faces yeah and really if if CD does anything like he has been doing all season uh, we might have had two the record broken twice in the same week. Like, yeah. Yep. And re- as a reminder to everyone, this is a 200-point game with Christian McCaffrey on the bench. Yes, it's going to get spicy here soon. It is. Um, on the other side of the of the matchup here, you had popular ballers almost putting up 170 uh, in a valiant loss here. Uh, Corderell Patterson, who is no longer on the team, uh, exploded for 35 points. And I think you love to see Scary Terry uh, catching those wild touchdowns from Taylor Heineke as the uh, football team beats the Falcons. Yes. Love to see it. You love you love Terry getting to get the popular ballers across the uh, the median line, but the winner faces who traded, trading him away without McCaffrey doesn't lose the game. It's, it's kind of a situation yep. where you can win-win now a little bit in, in fantasy. Yeah, seriously. Very bizarre. Um, but I, I'm i still keeping my eye on popular ballers because even if they're future-focused, they're clearly going to win games this year. Uh, oh, yeah. Because he would have he beaten five other teams in the league this week. So, um I think even with losing Cordero Patterson, he's got these handcuffs. Like Damian Williams is going to be in there this week for him. And I still think the best is yet to come for Michael Pittman and Kyle Pitts. So uh, we'll keep our eyes on him. Yep. And uh, and you have to like uh, Javante Williams' usage and production so far. Yeah, I, I think uh, because Melvin Gordon has actually still had some life in him, that we haven't gotten untapped Javante Williams, but he's done really well with what exposure he's gotten. Yes. All right. Well, let's move on to our last game of the week. 
it was myself versus Marley Magic. Both teams needed some victories, uh, and he really had a rough week, uh, only scoring 101 points to my 147. Uh, but Mike Williams disappeared on his birthday, and Logan Thomas got hurt to keep the Gotham Knights out of the median. Yeah, and uh, and you know I think the Dalvin Cook thing might be an issue, and Joe Joe Mick, just like the running backs were just also kind of like dinged up in this game, you know, not like the full Logan Thomas out, but they obviously weren't getting the ball as frequently as yep. you had maybe gotten used to. Um, so you, the, you hate to see it, but you think once they're back healthy, you're going to be fine. That's sort of how you probably have to feel about the team, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm like mildly encouraged as long as I, can get one if I could keep going 500 for a little bit I'd be fine while people get healthy like like rest them let them get healthy for later in the season but um it is a little frustrating just when a guy starts and then has to leave I just I hate that um I was proud of uh Brandon Cooks for still getting nine points in that horrid zero to 40 loss at Buffalo yeah no joke the fact that he was like anything useful was amazing yeah i almost benched him out of fear in that game of just it it being that way but i was like well surely he'll i mean they're gonna complete some passes so uh but just barely it was ugly um kenny galladay looks like i can start trusting him in the lineup uh and then uh jonathan taylor probably going to be my rb1 while the other guys get healthy as the colts pick up their first victory that's right, and the AFC South has gotten spicy again. Yeah, the spiciest thing in the AFC South this week is is clearly the Urban Meyer story. Just it's one of those things that like it it almost doesn't feel real because of course this is something that happened. Like it's like a storyline in like a in like a spicy Madden franchise mode or something. Like the coach gets in some scandal, but you're like, yeah, I already knew that he was going to because it's Urban Meyer. I just, it, it's so strange. The videos are strange. Uh, the reports of the team laughing at him, it's all strange. Yeah. What what a scenario. And what a scenario where you say, I don't think that, uh, I can't say that I'm surprised. Yeah, and th- there's no shock here, um, but it, it is still still bizarre. Um, one thing I want to make sure we talk about, uh, just because it's a big NFL story, uh, Marley Magic has two Rams on his team. He's got Matt Stafford at quarterback and Tyler Higby as one of his tight ends. And the Rams so far had looked like debatably the team to beat so far in the NFL, and they got just uh, smacked up in the head by the Ra- the Cardinals. Uh, I almost said the Rams again because I was thinking St. Louis. But the Cardinals just destroyed them. Kyler Murray was on fire. And I think the Cardinals are really good. Yeah, I think the Cardinals are really good. I'm a little concerned about the Rams' defense. Hmm. Just generally. Like, not that they're doing anything bad. Like, they they have a defense that can win a championship. I don't think that Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey are enough on that defense, though, to not let people throw. I guess I'm not as scared of the Rams' defense as I thought I'd be as a fantasy owner going up against a Rams defense. Yeah, I, I would actually agree with that. Um, like, you know, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I'm going to throw Alex Collins in the starting lineup tonight against him. Um, and I did have a moment where I hesitated specifically because of the Rams. But then when I looked at kind of what teams have done so far, I was like, well, Aaron Donald hasn't 
you know, completely destroyed everyone. So hopefully he doesn't kill Aaron Donald. I mean, hopefully he doesn't kill Alex Collins tonight. Yes, I think that's what every NFL running back who goes up against the Rams just says to themselves before they go out on the field. Just don't let Aaron Donald kill me. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Unless you're Derrick Henry, then you say, I'm going to kill Aaron Donald. Yeah, that's the classic uh, immovable object meets an unstoppable force scenario. Yes. Uh, Well, uh, there you are. Uh, You dropped there for a second. Um, that's kind of our rundown of the of the league this week. Uh, the standings are, are looking nice. Touchdown, Abby, hanging on to that second place spot in a crucial matchup coming up this week. Um, I did forget to give you my hunter's hunch, so uh, let me let me pull that up real quick because it should be noted that the Winterfaces are not the only undefeated team, as Hunter's hunches are still undefeated this season. Uh, we had uh, Marvin Jones a couple weeks back outscore Goddard. Uh, we had Jared Cook overscore Kareem Hunt. And this week, we're going back to the God Kings. And I lost it. I didn't write it down. So, you know what? I'll put it in this chat, and you guys will just have to take it there because I don't know what happened to it. All right. That's, that's what we call a tease, folks, here in the radio business. So... Uh, be looking out for it subscribe to the patreon yep subscribe to the patreon for hunters hunches from now on (laughs) that's the only way you can get five dollars a month use code cg dynasty football podcast underscore 2021 at checkout you get nothing but just use it yeah just use it uh and we don't we don't actually get commission on that Our, our sponsors just you know they just keep coming back Uh, just because they love you guys. So thanks for buying their product. Uh, Anyways, that's all I have. Spicer, have a safe trip. Uh, Have a good weekend of football, everyone, and we'll see you back here next week. See y'all. Brought to you by Magiano Productions.